This is Win, Lose, or Rain, the podcast about sports with a mean lean to baseball. We talk to the people, that is the players, the pundits, and yeah, even the occasional super fan. What are they about? How did they get here? What were their prospects real or imagined? And what's next? And while we're at it, let's throw a little pepper on the hot topics. No salad, all show. Here's your host, Abby Kowal. All right, guys, this week on the podcast, I interviewed Jeff Passan. He's an MLB columnist, podcast host. He does it all for Yahoo Sports. We talk about really everything, uh, mostly focused on division standings, but we talk about potential MVPs. I ask him some quick hitters at the end. It's a great one with a lot of insight. A lot's happening in the baseball world right now. As we're closing out the regular season, a lot can happen. So, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. Here we go. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, and I, if you don't mind, I would love for everyone just to kind of know your background. And I don't think I could say it any better than you could. Um, so if you don't mind, just kind of giving everyone a little background, how you got into journalism. Was it something you wanted to pursue? I mean, you're also a best-selling author. So all the above. Um, it's in the blood. My father worked at the Plain Dealer in Cleveland for 42 years. So I was indoctrinated in the business. And as much as he tried to convince me to do something else, uh, it's kind of cool to write about sports for a living. So, uh, I started when I was 14 years old covering, uh, high school games and continued it through college at Syracuse. And my first job was in Fresno, California, covering college basketball. And uh, very lucky to have gotten a call when I was 23 from the Kansas City Star uh, to come and cover baseball there. And for 15 years now, I've been doing that. Wow. Well, this industry is a grind. You got in early. I did. I started very, very young and. uh that that helped. I mean, I, I you know I did internships as well uh, at the at USA Today Baseball Weekly, at the Buffalo News, at the New York Star Ledger, and at the Washington Post. So I did not have uh, the the enjoyable summers that many college kids have. I was just working pretty much the whole time, but it was it was great, and I'm I'm very lucky to do what I do because uh, I. I think it's the best job in the world, and I don't think anyone could convince me otherwise. Well, you're good inspiration to people like me who are just grinding away, trying to figure life out at this point in my life. You know, a lot a lot going on this time of year, and I, I think, what, se- about seven weeks left of the regular season or so? And I just kind of wanted to talk to you about the standings right now and kind of focus on that. And, I mean, American League, a lot is happening over there. I think there's nowhere else to start other than talking about the Red Sox right now. Just took four from the Yankees, four from Orioles, 10 games up from the Yankees, 50 games over 500. They're on pace to win, I think, 115 at this point. Do you think they'll do it? It's hard. And and I also think that Alex Cora, the first-year manager for the Red Sox, understands that resting guys in September is probably the prudent thing to do. I don't believe in the idea of a team getting losing out of the way. I, I just don't buy that, that you have to lose some before you go into the playoffs. I think the playoffs are just a completely different game. Mm-hmm. And and with the Red Sox chasing history the way they are right now, it's not 115 that they won, so it's 117. Right. The 2001 Mariners hold the record with 116 regular season wins, and the you know the Red Sox would love to beat that. It's a hard. It's going to be a hard thing to do. They have to win 
31 of their last 41 games, which sounds like a pretty tough row to hoe until you realize that they've currently won 33 of their last 41 games and nine times this season they've been on streaks where they've won 31 out of 41. So it is absolutely possible. Would I bet on it? Probably not, just because of the the factoring in the the rest and and just playing at this blistering pace is is difficult enough already. Continuing it for another six and a half weeks is even tougher. Do you think that there's any chance that the you know they play the Yankees in the, that their last series? Do you think that could be a deciding series, or do you think the Red Sox are already they're they're away with it at this point? I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, I would love for that to be the series that figures out whether the Red Sox actually win 117 games or not. I, I don't think the Yankees have it, – it's not just that the Yankees have enough in them. I don't think the Red Sox are going to cede enough ground over the next month and a half for the Yankees to climb back into this race. I There's going to be a slump at some point. You have to think so just because this team and, – and I wrote about this today – the Red Sox haven't lost three games in a row since April 21st through 24th. That's crazy. <laughs> it's four straight months now that they've gone without a losing streak of more than two games. It's it's staggering, and it's how you pile up an 86-35 and 35 record. But for the Yankees to make up 10 games like that, I, I just don't see it happening, though. If you look at it, uh, I believe the teams are playing – you know, I think in their last in the Red Sox last four series, two of them are two of them are against the Yankees. So the Yankees, I suppose, are going to have a chance. But the Red Sox are eight and five against them this season. So, you know, they're they're probably going to need to sweep all six games in order to get back in. It'd definitely be more fun for the fans if that was a deciding series. <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly. That would be great. And I was expecting it to be, but we still don't know when Aaron Judge is coming back, Eric Sanchez, questions about him, um, Jay Happ, uh, excuse me, Luis Severino, rather, has, has not looked like himself recently, not looked like the guy who could have theoretically started the All-Star game. And and then there are other rotation questions with the Yankees. And their bullpen, honestly, they've, they've had some issues there. So they have not been playing uh, their best by any means. But they're still a team that's won seven out of the last ten games that they've played. So right. that just goes to show you how strong they really are. And, and at full strength, what a formidable team they can be. Well, in any case, maybe the Red Sox will, you know, they will be playing for 117 games at that point. As a, to hit from a fan perspective, I'll say. At least that'd be fun. <laughs> yes. I, there are going to be a lot of fun things down the stretch. I'm, I'm extremely curious to see what happens out in the West right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Houston's lead is down to one game over Oakland. And, and the National League is so wide open at this point, I don't even know what to think. So AL West is what I was going to get to, and... I mean, talk about a team who were just bottom dwellers a month ago in Oakland. Now one game back to the Astros, and the Mariners are still in it too. But do you think the Astros will hang on? I mean, this A's team kind of seems unstoppable right now. Yeah, I do think the Astros ultimately are a better team. Let's remember, they're missing Jose Altuve. They're missing George Springer at this point. Carlos Correa just came back from being out for a while. And I understand that their pitching has buoyed them throughout this season, but it you know, when when I have questions about how good a team is, 
I tend to look at their run differential. And the Astros right now have a plus 191 run differential. They've scored 583 runs this year. They've given up only 392. The only team with a better run differential is the Red Sox, and they're only 23 runs ahead of them, despite you know being twice as many games over 500 as the Astros are. I, I think that if the Astros lose this division, it will be an immense, immense disappointment for them. I would love to see personally a Houston Astros New York Yankees wild card game. Mm-hmm. I think that would be cool as hell. And as a baseball people. fan, <laughs> I am all about that, but ultimately I think it's probably going to be Oakland and New York. And I'm I'm still all right with that. Luis Severino versus Shamanaya in the Bronx. Uh, uh sign me up. Hey, sounds like a fun one to me. I want to kind of switch over to the National League and I want to start at the Central because Okay, so the Cubs are my team. People, I always have to talk more about the Cubs, and I'm probably so obnoxious about it to people who listen to me because, you know, that's just, I love the Cubs. But I, I will I will let you know if that's true. Oh, gosh. I'm going to hold back a little bit, just a little bit. Um, no, the Cubs are up two games, but whole division's right behind them, Brewers, Cardinals, and Pirates. I, I do want to get your opinion on the Cubs and see, you know, what you think and their potential to make a run in the playoffs. And, you know, watching Hamels has been really fun, um, you know, going from Rangers. where it's, I'm in Dallas now, and so I've been around the whole atmosphere of that. But he's done well, and it's a must-win game for them tonight. But what's your take on the Cubs this season and what they can do, hopefully, in the playoffs? I still think the Cubs are probably the best team in the National League, and that's not saying a whole lot at this point, to be honest, because yeah. the National League isn't great this season. But uh, I, I believe in the Cubs lineup, and I believe enough in their pitching, and I definitely believe in their gloves. And it, the thing about the National League playoffs at this point is, I if you gave me fifty bucks and said bet on one team in the National League. I, it would be the Cubs, but I have no confidence in that. Like I have, I have some confidence in betting on the teams in the American League. I still think Houston actually is a, you know, despite uh, the five losses in a row and despite Boston being as good as they've been, I do wonder if Houston is better positioned in a short series because of the the people that they have in that clubhouse and because of the way that AJ Hinch can uh, can manipulate that rotation and and really rely on starting pitchers more than Alex Cora can in Boston. In in Chicago, in the National League altogether, I don't know who's in a great position. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you let's just look at all the contenders. Atlanta uh, maybe next year. I don't know that I'm buying them this year uh, as, as a team a that can beat thing. the Cubs or as a team that can beat the Dodgers. But then I talk about the Dodgers, and they're in third place right now. Uh, there, there are obvious weaknesses there in the bullpen, and they haven't been hitting lately either. They've lost five in a row. Do I really trust the Rockies? No, probably not. And, and I don't know how much I trust the Diamondbacks either. I, I do think having Zach Greinke and Patrick Corbin, however, bodes awfully well for them if they do make it. And they did a really good job, I think, of bulking up their team at the trade deadline. And uh, in the Central, the Brewers have been playing pretty terribly lately. The Cardinals have been hot as can be, but uh, I still see flaws there. I don't know that they're going to hit enough. There's just not a great team 
in the National League right now, and you can tell in the winning percentages when the when the best winning percentage uh, in in the National League is 576, which means you know a 93 win team. When it, when a 93 win team is the best team in your league, you know it's a down year in terms of elite teams. I agree, and I mean I guess you could look at it as as a as a fan perspective again, like nine or ten teams in the NL all vying for those five playoff spots. But like you said, no one really stands out as a pick, but yeah, I mean, I want to love, I want to like the Washington nationals because I, I see a lineup that, you know, has Anthony Rendon and Trey Turner and Daniel Murphy and in Ryan Zimmerman or Matt Adams in the infield and has an outfield with Juan Soto and Adam Eaton and Bryce Harper and has a pitching staff with Max Scherzer and, Eventually, you would think Steven Strasburg and Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Roark and has a bullpen uh, with Sean Doolittle and Kelvin Herrera and, and others who have been effective. You see all of those things and you're like, how in God's name is this team 60 and 60 right now? Mm-hmm. It just does not make sense. And for Dave Martinez, the manager, to come out a couple of days ago and say and like shrug his shoulders essentially and say, I don't know what to do. Well, that says something right there. Right. I think that says something about the Nationals as an organization and as a team. And I think that says something about Dave Martinez too. You can't shrug your shoulders you at something like it. this there, there. Yeah, exactly. You got to figure out how to shake it up in one way or another. And look, he's a, he's a rookie manager and, and he's learning on the fly right now, but so are Alex Cora and Aaron Boone and they're faring a whole lot better with similar talent to what the nationals have. Do you think they'll have a chance to, I think they're eight games back right now you know, take the East? I think time is running out. I think that if they're eight games back going into September, it's done. But I've also seen enough comebacks to know that you don't count out the talented team. They've just got a really long road ahead over these last 42 games. Do you think there's a shot at the Cubs getting Harper? (laughs) I mean, there's always a shot. I I don't see the fit, to be honest. They're not trading Jason Hayward because nobody's going to take on that contract. They're not trading Kyle Schwarber because they love Kyle Schwarber. Mm-hmm. They're, you're, you're not going to play Bryce Harper in center field long term. And I suppose you could put Hayward there, but uh, you're, you're taking away his greatest – value, which is as an elite corner outfielder there in order to get Bryce Harper's bat in the lineup. You've got Chris Bryant, who's going to be arbitration eligible and is going to be making a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know the injury is going to pare that down a little bit, but still you've got Javi Baez, who's going to be hitting arbitration soon. Uh, You've got, you know, Anthony Rizzo, who is going to be a free agent, uh, what, a year from now? I mean, it's, it's soon. Um, you've got Wilson Contreras who might warrant a contract extension and you've got a pitching staff that you probably ultimately need to bulk up a little bit and $20 million a year is going to you Darvish. I just don't, I don't see the fit. Maybe there is one Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, uh, and, and the rest of the brain trust there are very creative, intelligent guys. And if there is any team out there that I could say would be creative enough to, to do that, I don't know if they're number one, but they're certainly among the top three or four. It'd be fun. Still. It'd be, it'd be really fun, but I, I know what you're saying. It, well, it'd be I, a I, lot of work. Okay. Hold on. Now I'm going to call you out on your cup stuff. It would be fun <laughs> is not a good reason. Come on. Okay. True. 
But I, that's why I said, I just said, I agree with what you're saying. A lot would have to happen. Solid outfield. I get all that. But as a Cubs fan, we're all secretly hoping Theo can make this work. Why though? Are, I mean, aren't you, aren't you sad? You know, I didn't even talk about Ian Happ. Like there's so much talent. I think it's just because the whole Vegas thing, Chris Bryant, Anthony, like Anthony, well, he's not from Vegas, but they're all buds and Chris Bryant grew up playing with Harper and, you know, it's just like the hype right now on social media and all that people just chirping about it. And so I know that's what I'm here for though. I'm, I'm the dose of reality in your life that, that, that brings you away from the, (laughs) the, the, the hit of crack that is hype. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Sometimes I need to take a step back and just realize, you know, maybe this isn't the best decision. (laughs) But um, one last team I want to talk about in the National League is the Dodgers, especially after that whole little tiff last night. But, you know, they were a front runner at the start of the season. Huge moves at the trade deadline. What do you see happening in the West? You have the Rockies, the Diamondbacks. I know you said you're not really confident in – really anyone in the National League, but the Dodgers have been an interesting one this season. I think the Dodgers are almost a team that's better suited for the playoffs than they are the regular season. And and hear me out on this. I think that when when you're a starting pitcher-centric organization, and, and the Dodgers unquestionably are when they can send Kent Maeda and Ross Stripling to the bullpen and have Julio Urias coming back from uh, shoulder surgery and looking good and, and potentially rejoining the team. They've got the ability to do, frankly, what the Astros did last year, which is in spite of a bullpen that may not be very good or deep, they can deploy starters in those types of roles during the playoffs. And granted, they don't have that Brandon Morrow type guy. They were hoping that uh, it would develop with Daniel Hudson or with Dylan Floro or with Josh Fields or uh, Scott Alexander or Caleb Ferguson or whoever it may be. They don't have that lockdown guy who can pitch the eighth in front of Kenley Jansen right now. And you wonder, wonder if that's going to be Kenta Maeda taking care of, frankly, the seventh and the eighth innings uh, with Alexander being able to jump in and, and match up there. I, I look at their lineup. I look at the depth that they have. The fact that Justin Turner's playing third, uh, Manny Machado at shortstop, Brian Dozier at second. Uh, you can put Max Muncie or Cody Bellinger at first. You've got Chris Taylor. Bellinger playing the outfield. Uh, Yasiel Puig, you can theoretically picture Alex Verdugo in there. Kike Hernandez against left-handers in Yasmani Grandal and Austin Barnes, the, the two, arguably the two best framing catchers in baseball right now. They're, uh, you know, pulling balls out of the zone to make strikes out of them. All of these things, to me, make the Dodgers a, a deep and dangerous team in the playoffs. The question is, are they going to get there? Right. Are they better than the Diamondbacks? Are they better than the Rockies? I think if I were a betting man, I'd probably say yes, but it would not at all shock me <laughs> to see the Dodgers sitting at home in October this year. Yeah, I mean, it's so close at this point. I'd Like you said, it's all up in the air. Let's switch over to something real quick. Stay in the National League, but do you have any MVP predictions? I feel like the National League is a little more challenging than the American League, in my opinion. I, I have I have no idea who's going to win the National League MVP this year. Like I'm 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 not trying to avoid the question. It's just 
it's entirely unclear at this point because nobody has separated himself like in the American League. You know, for a while it looked like Mike Trout was a no doubter. Mookie Betts obviously has jumped up, and I think Jose Ramirez is quietly, uh, arguably having the the best year in baseball. I mean, he if you go and look at Fangraphs, he leads and wins above replacement, and uh, he he's done it almost silently because Jose Ramirez isn't the the name or isn't in the market size of a Mookie Betts or of a Mike Trout. But, uh, man, he has been really, really good this year. In the National League, I think you can make an argument for Jacob DeGrom. I think you can make an argument for Max Scherzer, for Matt Carpenter, for Nolan Arenado. Uh, I'm not on the Javi Baez for MVP bandwagon because I cannot oblige the 335 on base percentage. But Rude. Javier, ba- Javier <laughs> Baez is a is a great player, and I love watching him in, in spite of that. So rude of you to say that. It's not, it's, it's not rude. It's real. <laughs> I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. I wouldn't say – I wouldn't project, predict – Javi Baez for the MVP either. So if that says anything, but that's, I, that says you can be reasonable and rational. And I appreciate that. I can definitely be reasonable and rational. Sometimes on the podcast, I'll talk to certain people and just hype it up a little more. Sometimes, you know, it's fun to pick at people and, you know, poke back I, and forth. I, I enjoy doing that too. So <laughs> we're in the same boat there. Okay. So to end this uh, podcast, I just, at the end of every episode, I kind of, throw some fun questions at you and want to throw some quick ones at you. They're easy. Don't worry. Um, Favorite ballpark that you have visited? Um, hmm, Probably AT&T. I just went there this summer. It's awesome. It was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's great. We're going to be on the Yahoo Sports MLB podcast. We're going to, I think it's going to be this off season. We're going to be ranking every ballpark one through 30. No and way. I'm looking forward to that exercise. That, that'll be a fun one. My, one of my bucket list things is to go to all the ballparks, but in one summer. So I don't know what that would be. One, one a week, something like that. But I just want to know. Are there, are there, are there 30 weeks in the summer? No, <laughs> it would be like every three days. That's more like it. Something like that. I've done the math. <laughs> Trust me. I have a whole spreadsheet. I have, you know, but I have some budgeted, like I am all in. I'm going to do it one day, one summer. It could happen. I'm going to Seattle next or tomorrow, actually. I'm going to the game on Friday. So I've never been to that ballpark either. So I'm really excited. That's actually, that. that's actually one of two parks I've not been to. Really? Not Seattle, not been to Atlanta's new one, but I've been to, I've been to all the others. All right. What's your favorite ballpark food? Favorite ballpark food. Oh, my God. I love nachos. Mm-hmm. I don't know if nachos are ballpark food, though, are they? I, I count it. All right. Yeah. I love nachos. I love fake cheese. Like, it's, you know, loaded up with jalapenos. I'm totally down with that. That's the reason I count it, because of the cheese. Like, that's ballpark cheese, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, when I go to Costco and I see the giant, like, thing of <laughs> queso bueno, yes. I just want to sit there and drink it. I, I understand completely. Um, do you have a favorite moment at a ballpark? Was there a big game you were at? It can really be anything, any time of your life. Just something that is really memorable. I'm sure you have a lot, though. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Rajay Davis's home run off of Aroldis Chapman is is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. I just remember sitting there. Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> I remember sitting there saying, uh, just like, Son saying, no fucking way, no fucking way, Unreal. just again and again and again. And that day, uh, I had, before the game, I had gone 
to this cupcake shop in Cleveland and had bought like three dozen cupcakes for, for the writers to eat. And there were definitely some cupcakes left over. And so I, I remember during the rain delay, all of us sitting there like munching on the cupcakes and talking about how truly insane that game was. I mean, I still struggle a little bit, just the feeling I felt when that home run went out. Um, oh, I'm sure it was great. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I have pictures and videos on my phone that not many people have seen of me during that game. Just every emotion you can possibly feel was me <laughs> that day. But yeah, that Sounds was about right. That was a crazy one. Did you have a specific team you rooted for growing up? I was actually an Indians fan. I grew up in Cleveland, so I was an Indians fan growing up. But then my, my reaction there had nothing to do. I, I long ago abandoned my fandom, uh, out, out, not, not out of like a professional uh, obligation, which, which there is, but out of the fact that I, I hate the feeling when a team that I like loses. <laughs> and I just I don't like having bad feelings in my life. So not rooting for a team is is so much easier than rooting for a team and having your heart broken. That's and, and, actually a great and there way to look at it. And there are many elements in my life that bring me enough joy to make up for what I'm losing with sports. Isn't it amazing how sports can make us feel? Where can everyone follow you on social media? Listen to y'all's podcast at Yahoo Sports. I listen to it every week. So I want you to tell everyone where they can find it and your Twitter handle. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Passan, J-E-F-F-P-A-S-S-A-N. I infrequently go to Facebook and Instagram, and I believe I'm the same on those. You can listen to the Yahoo Sports MLB podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, at Acast, or anywhere uh, anywhere pretty much except Spotify at this point. So if you have Spotify, we're getting on there very soon. Uh, in the meantime, though, go download it elsewhere. It goes up every Tuesday uh, on time for your drive into work. And uh, it is an hour of ridiculousness, uh, of, of great interviews. We've had Mike Trout, we've had Clayton Kershaw, Joey Votto, Albert Pujols, uh, and many, many, many other luminaries. So uh, we've had a lot of fun doing that this year and definitely encourage you to go listen. I'm a subscriber. I listen every Tuesday. I like y'all's content. It's great. And this means a lot um, that you came on here and chatted with me. I really appreciate it. It is my pleasure, Abby. Thanks for having me on.